Wait, how old are you, Jackson? I'm 21. Oh, I thought you were like 23 for some reason. That was my head cannon. <laughs> and I know it's silly to have a head cannon about a real life person. People have head cannons about me. Well, you're such an elusive character. <laughs> They're bad head cannons. Are they? Yeah. Do they have anything to do with you know who? Or is that more of a fan some of them some of them have things to do with you know who. Um Is that more of but, an erotic fan fiction? Uh no, no. Or no. or is that your personal fan fiction? What if I declined to answer? <laughs> what you you're, you're so focused on this that you're not focusing on the fact that I could tell you that people headcanon me as God. <laughs> so really, <Order. laughs> the first question is, what is gender fluid and where can I buy it? Uh, yeah, man, there's this funny thing called Omega Mart. They actually literally sell gender fluid. Um, no. But also, also gotta acknowledge. Um, yeah, my kids transgender and the fluid, like those are my two things. To that, that that's what Dude, you can do with your degree. I think gender fluid is like the left's response to the right's blinker fluid joke. Do you know what I'm talking about? Or no, no. It's no like clue. it's like blinker fluid sounds like. Just hearing the word it sounds like a legitimate thing you might put in your car, but it doesn't actually exist. Okay. So, <laughs> so the left so puts fucking, gender fluid in their cars? No, they put it in their bodies. But <laughs> I see, I see. But uh, like the whole joke is like these yee ass fucking boyfriends will tell their girlfriend, like, hey, can you run to the auto parts store and get some blinker fluid? And they'll go in there and just like make an ass of themselves. Okay. So and I can I send you to the store right now and be like, hey, Rumble, can you go get me some gender fluid? You could. <laughs> I, don't, I don't think you realize how cool I think you are and how much power that gives you over me. Oh, I, I, don't, I don't get it. I don't. I think I'm personally like lame as hell. I. Once again, when we met, I was like, oh my god, it's the person from the band I like. So, you thinking that I'm cool is... I, I, I won't process it. Yeah. I think Do you I need have to more see Egg Sheeran again? I, we always need to see Egg Sheeran. I'll go grab him. I'm gonna grab the guy. He sounds so exasperated. Like, oh, fine. That's funny, because Sendali is like the least cool band I know. No, that's honestly that's true. We Weezer, no, I, no, Weezer I mean, not that I mean not, not that you guys make bad music because I really genuinely enjoy your music. It's just in terms of like coolness factor. Maybe it's because I like know each of you at least on a fair level, somewhat, mm -hmm. some more than others. I just know like these are not rock stars. These are just dudes being dudes and gals being gals or whatever. Dude, Weezer walked so that we could run. You know? I'm surprised that you haven't asked me a question about Weezer yet. I genuinely thought that this was all going to be a ploy. And it's like, yeah, okay, Jackson. we know about your real research and all of that. Um, but let's ignore that and focus on the Weezer paper. <laughs> Just ask about that. 
I told Jackson to ask you about the Weezer instead. <laughs> yeah. So, um, why did you make a paper about Weezer? What is the paper about Weezer? What's going on with that? Okay. So, in one of my classes, I had to write for one of my exams a research paper arguing for the cultural significance of some sort of musical artifact. So, like, a song, an album, an artist. And I was like, hmm. I talk a lot about My Chemical Romance, Fall Out Boy, uh, Green Day, Panic! the Disco, all, the, all these artists I love. But I do that a lot anyway. And for the next two years, I'm pretty much going to be devoting my life to My Chemical Romance with my research. So I was like, you know what? Let's get silly with it. So I wrote an entire research paper arguing <laughs> that Weezer's 1994 debut, commonly referred to as the Blue Album, is one of the most culturally significant indicators. And the best part is it's really good. <laughs> it's, such a, it's such a good, like, well-thought-out paper. I don't know. Um, it got an I'm not, I'm not a fan of how popular that paper is. I'm definitely more of a Pinkerton type, Pinkerton paper type of guy. Okay. <laughs> I love I love Pinkerton. Pinkerton. I don't care. It's problematic. <laughs> uh, it's a good album. It's a good album. I like the album, but I would argue that the Blue Album is more culturally significant based on the lasting impact it has had within meme culture. So mm. Weezer as a band is already very significant because their music is the easiest way to understand. Well, you got to think of like the breakdown of like rock in this way. So you have like your classic rock over here, then you have alternative and then you have whatever alternative mess happened in the early 2000s because then you get all your little splitty little subgenres, whatever spotify decides to call them right so to really capture different things of alternative rock you have to look at the different sections and the different directions that people went based on their fathers before them not their literal fathers but for argument's sake um and you see grunge form and people tend to focus on grunge you can see new metal form too but you have this weird like little emo thing start to happen but before emo is emo it's more like a geek rock type of thing where you have all of these guys who grew up listening to like everything classic rock and that now they're going to make music and because of their love for classic rock growing up, they've been ostracized for a whole new set of reasons. And now they're in their garages trying to figure out what are we going to do now? And they're absolute nerds and losers. And then you have Weezer form. So it it has a cultural moment. The, the Blue Album just had to capture. Somehow, some way, they did it perfectly because you can talk about anything. You can talk about the thoughts on women. You can talk about the feelings of that group. You can talk about the ostracization. You can talk about the love for rock already existing. You can talk about nerd culture. You can talk about different like fringe types of masculinity. 
So that already sets up their debut as something very significant on its own. You can already talk very much about that. But then it's also representative of Weezer's career as a whole. So then you can talk about the whole genre of nerd rock and geek rock, whatever you may call it, which has now transformed over the years into virgin core, which is a whole new genre, which I also wrote about in this essay. And then virgin core existing then opens up room for a lot of jokes because why are why is it virgin core because the people who listen to this music were called virgins as a joke which then becomes a meme and then those memes go into internet culture where you see people pull the blue album as a staple of virgin core music and like the ultimate insult type of thing like oh you listen to weezer and you see the whole thing of getting weezered which overtakes being rickrolled and it's with a song often from the blue album and it's specifically buddy Polly. Exactly. And then you see different edits with the Blue Album because it's an iconic album cover. So, uh, yeah, there's a lot to be said about the Blue Album. And I said a lot of it. (laughs) So that's why I think Weezer's Blue Album is more culturally significant than Pinkerton. Yeah, I mean... Personally, yeah, well, I, it's better, so I you can enjoy it more. That's fine. Honestly, I'm gonna was be basic a flop when it came say, out and say that Blue Album is probably my favorite Weezer album. Um, that's fine. I, I, agree I just, I just, I just dropping the Pinkerton thing because I sat at this lunch table when I was in high school, and these were all Virgin Core fans. Many moons ago, many moons ago, back when I was a young lad. Um, and yeah, because what, you're like, 23? I'm 21. <laughs> no, I'm not too <laughs> But, um, <laughs> but they'd be like, oh, I like the Blue Album. No, 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 dude, that's way too popular. I like Pinkerton. No, 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 Things dude. are popular because they're good that's sometimes. Too mainstream. And that's maybe, too, that's maybe too they're popular man. because they're I really, really like culturally this, significant. I like this, this, this mixtape they made in the bass player from, uh, Oh, I'm trying to think of it. I I just lose my train of thought. The bass player from uh from Pearl Jam's Garage and then their cousin's basement, like, and it's only half a song and like two thirds of a verse, but man, that just captures the essence of Weezer that nobody talks about. Uh, but, yeah. You actually listen to their albums. I only listen to the demos that Rivers released on Weezify. Oh my god. Dude, I, I feel like that about a lot of artists. Um, dude, Jordan Lilly from Sincerely Yours. Love the guy. But man, every time, not every time, but a lot of the times when we talk about some like emo band from the 2000s or 2010s, he'll be like, yeah, but have you ever heard this one song that was never on Spotify? In his stupid fucking pop punk voice. <laughs> <laughs> like, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I don't want to hear some some fucking like Brian Sella with his acoustic guitar on something that sounds like it was recorded on an eggplant. <laughs> like, forgive me. That's what people think listen. listening to the podcast with your Walmart earbuds. All right. This has been the Santa scene. <laughs> <laughs>
Oh, man. We never no, did an intro. <laughs> Why do you need an open? intro? You just need Weezer. <laughs> That's true. Can we open this podcast with Buddy Holly? Um. Oh, my gosh. Are, are, are we going to get sued for that? No, dude. I've... For, like, a string of episodes, I actually ended the episode with some random song from some artist I mentioned during the podcast, just in case anybody mm-hmm. actually listened to, to me talk for 45 minutes straight. I did. But, and it'd be, like, a little treat at the end. Like, I did, a, I did like, a song by Kate Can't Swim and a song by Motionless and White and stuff like that. And, like, I don't think, it, I don't think enough people listened for it to actually, like flag in their system as like a copyright infringement yeah but I'm um just, oh. every every new episode of the podcast i'm gonna try as hard as i can to get us sued until it works yeah is that why you got sewer on the show <laughs> is that are we gonna get sued yeah. for that i don't know I mean, oh i just got I the joke so. yeah yeah i'm out my last name is Sewer. Whoa. Right over the top. It just takes I'm not me a minute. Oh my. I'm so mad. I'm so angry. So, um, we have a couple of viewers now. Um, you've kind of explained to me. Why? I don't know either. Like, um, but, um, you've kind of explained to me, Charlie, what it is that you kind of focus in are an expert in could you kind of describe for the audience like what your research entails yeah so i am a trans scholar and queer historian who studies the overlaps of like transness with punk and different rock subcultures and why being trans is inherently punk Uh, i also study uh like queer monstrosity monster theory queer theory trans theory all of that fun academic stuff um but lately my research has been focused in the formation of a trans mask identity and how there is there are links between modern trans mask identities and emo music especially the work of uh, fall out boy and with romance and uh, yeah so i've presented at conferences and stuff about uh, that sort of thing and i'm actually going into a master's program where for the next two years, I'll be writing a thesis about uh, trans masculinity and chemical romance. So, different nice. things of that sort. And it's a lot of academic jargon, so if you want clarification on any of that, let me know. You know what's not inherently punk? Hmm. Jackson drinking Pepsi, dude. Anyone who drinks Pepsi is a fed. No, everybody drinks Coke is a fed, like... Coke is the worst tasting cola. I mean, you got Pepsi, you got Bad RC taste. cola, you got I don't I I just know Pepsi and RC cola, but um, RC cola go crazy. I'm not denying that. But Coke is better than Pepsi. We're so off topic, but I need to address what you just said. Pepsi is better than Coke. <laughs> yeah, I must. Dude, prefer I would you, I would do Coke like the actual drug before I took a sip of Pepsi voluntarily. Dog water. Anyways. Damn. I just feel like you, you kind of invalidated my whole essence of being. But anyway, bro. Um, <laughs> Deal with it. 
Okay, but I'm not yeah. gonna take this from a cis hat white guy. <laughs> but yeah, nor um, should you. Exactly. Disgusting. Get better. <laughs> yeah, I'm just. Yeah, but um... not only are you a cis hat white man, but you drink Pepsi. I have no stakes in this. I don't even drink soda. I have no stakes in this. I thought I thought after I graduated high school the bullying would stop, but instead I made a podcast and it resumed. <laughs> I was dumb yeah, to no, join in with you. Yeah, Fox News wrote an article about something I did, so I'm like, oh, oh wait, <laughs> really? Yeah, yeah. That's I was hilarious. There. I, 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 I need more article. backstory. <laughs> okay, so at my university, I'm the president of the Trans Student Union. And we had a gender affirming clothing swap. So like people can bring in clothes uh, that don't match their uh, gender presentation and take clothes that do match their gender presentation. But like you don't have to only bring clothes to get clothes just for everyone. Uh, let's come together and get things that help them and get rid of things that don't anymore. And Fox News wrote an article about it. Oh, boy. Because it was interesting to them. Yeah. They were like, yeah, no, our, these university students are hosting a gender-affirming clothing swap with their pronouns and masks. Uh, and then they were like, we reached out to the Trans Student Union for comment. They did not. <laughs> like, we checked every method. We were, like, so desperate to find where they reached out. No one got any uh, text, emails, or Instagram didn't get a DM, nothing. The only quote they had from us was from an Instagram caption. Like, that's it. That's, they didn't reach out. And they oh. just said, like, more misinformation. And then in the pod, not the podcast, this is a podcast, in the comments of their article, they, like, absolute BS, uh, like, saying that we're indoctrinating people. Um, Fox News carefully, this is national Fox News, this was not local, they carefully saw that they were uh, publishing a story about uh, trans people, so at the very top, even though it was completely unrelated, they put um, a video clip of news footage of the um, Nashville shooting. And oh so God. then people in the comments were like, they're training our future shooters, and we're like, we were giving people clothes. It was a clothing drive. It was literally just a clothing drive. I mean, there's like so yeah. many slants oh. to go with that. Like, they could have even gone, this is the socialism the trans people want, where, where yeah. they help people, each other without yeah. any monetary gain. But yeah. instead they went with, they're using clothes to train them to shoot people. Like, that's hilarious to me. <laughs> it's just, it's absolute nonsense. Uh, and then people were talking about, or like wearing masks. People were putting Bible verses, uh, calling us slurs. You know, uh, I'm very happy and fortunate that my name nor the name of any of our members were in that article. And it just oh, said Florida yeah. University, but I'm like, this is about me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I guess I made it. Like I guess that means it I'm is. doing good work. I'm doing good work because Fox News is mad. We reached out to the head officer of the pronoun army, and they 
<laughs> and he, she, they did not respond. No, it'd be he, she, he slash she, and then slash a they in quotes. <laughs> in quotes. They. Like it's a slur. It's so That's how they would want to say it. I can I can already tell that this episode is going to be incredibly unorthodox for Jackson and I. Not not necessarily in a bad way, but man, I'm just excited to see where this goes. Oh yeah, uh, we keep it crazy. It's... Speaking speaking of issues regarding LGBT. Okay. Can we talk about Bud Light real quick? I just because <laughs> it's hilarious to me. It's so funny. Did you see the video that Kid Rock posted? No, I yeah. didn't, but I did see a picture of Kid Rock drinking a Bud Light with a drag queen from the 90s. Oh, that's funny. Yeah. Dude, he, like, posted this video um, of him in, like, this field, and there was just, like, three cases of Bud Light a few hundred yards away, and he just, like... Did he blow them up? No, he just rifled that shit. He just... Oh, and, that's worse. And he was like, go woke, go broke with his like fake southern accent. That thing's from Michigan, by the way. With his fake southern accent. <laughs> it was Christ. so funny. It's weird because I didn't know about like Bud Light doing anything. And I'm like, oh, they put a trans woman on their cans and are selling them in stores? That's really rad. They're not even doing that. They sent her one can for like a promo sponsored type thing with her face on it. Yeah. That's all they did. Like they what? Why are people? I think they had some cans that had like rainbows and shit on them or something like that. Um, yeah, so did every other beer company for Pride yeah. every year. It's a, I'm like, what? Huh? It's it's really funny. And the my, my favorite part about it is you know how um, organizations like Fox News like to be like every gay person's a socialist, which you know might be true. That's beside the point, but. Yeah. Bud Light. I mean, it's doing, not. Doing but... some, you know, but um, Bud Light I got. I'm in the academic. I'm the professional here. I have to clarify. Oh, for sure. Yeah, <laughs> but Bud Light doing a promotion with a trans person to expand their outreach is one of the most capitalist things you can do. Yeah. Yeah. I, like, I have a I have a quick little witty anecdote. Okay. Go for it. So if 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 the consequence of this is for cops to stop drinking beer and hitting their wives, that's a pretty good thing in the long term. <laughs> I think you're right. Now they're just gonna switch to Coors Light because they. That's don't. what I was going to say. Coors Light I saw has like rainbows and about... shit on their stuff too, yeah. and every company yeah, does. Not in the news. The... Yeah, yeah, still, but yeah, that's what I, I, I keep mean, seeing. People being like, "I'm gonna switch to Coors Light." Yeah, and I'm gonna and I'm gonna go back to drinking piss out the toilet. Either way, bro. All it takes is one Google search to realize that every beer company you can find at your goddamn Walmart has done that too. You know, yeah, the crazy and... thing that they don't realize is that the B in LGBT stands for beer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. As a, as an as an open bisexual, I can confirm. As an open bisexual and ex-alcoholic, I can confirm. But um, those are the two criteria. That's where you become the expert. 
I'm slaying right now. Am I using Absolutely. that right? Am I good yeah. enough to say that? Yeah. Uh, what a treat it was when you're like, how does it feel to be the smartest person we've ever had on this podcast? <laughs> Dude, we, all we interview is some sweaty-ass musicians. <laughs> you're like, I'm getting a master's degree. Like, no yeah. shame to anybody we've interviewed. Everybody has been awesome. But you're just a very highly educated person. Straight from a graduation ceremony to here. Yeah, that's wild. You know what I was doing before this? Watching Friends. Why were you watching? Okay, I know Friends can be problematic, but I just don't think it's funny. We're ignoring the problematic thing. It's nostalgic. I think it's funny at least sometimes, and I watch it with my mommy. Okay, all right, that's allowed. You can have a little bit of Friends as a treat. Okay, yeah. so before before I lose my train of thought, uh, you mentioned how like it's the most capitalist thing ever to like use L- L- LGBT pride to um to to market your cans. I yeah I saw I saw a post or it was you know a post of a tweet by uh, there's this band called Eve Six that always puts out banger tweets. I love Eve and Six, they, and they were like. It's not activism when a brand does. It's called marketing, you booger eaters. Because you know everybody's giving, <laughs> everybody's giving Bud Light all these props and stuff, and they're like, "Dude, uh, if it suddenly it quite literally marketing, if it yeah. suddenly sold more cans to to put out like anti-Semitic or transphobic or homophobic shit on their cans, they would do it in an instant. So like, it's easy to say like." Oh, good guy, Bud Light. But really, it's just like right now, people are either giving them a shot because they're like, "Hell yeah, pride," and then, or they're doing it because, "Hell yeah, I'm gonna destroy some fucking beer cans." Either way, sales are going up. Yeah, yeah, it's really bizarre because, like, we can call things like rainbow washing, and we can talk about the effects that pride has had with like capitalism and marketing. Like, that's absolutely a thing. But this is so bizarre to me, because it doesn't even fall under that. They didn't even put her face on the cans that they're selling in stores. So what you're seeing is the results of an ad campaign, and that's it. You're not even seeing any change of packaging. You're not seeing any pride section in a store. You're seeing the results of them saying, here's a very popular influencer who's even more popular right now due to the increase of transphobic legislation within our country. So a lot of people are looking to her as an inspiration and an icon. Let's support her because it's a good move for us, uh, marketing and politically. So then they slap her face on a can, send it to her for promo. So she promotes it. Like it is just a very carefully crafted ad to appeal to a group that is not really being appealed to right now because you're seeing all these states go after the LGBTQ community. So they're being uh, completely separated. So by coming in as a business and appealing and being like, hey, look, we kind of have your interest in mind. Here's someone who you really like. We like her too. And that that's their goal. So to see like all of the results come from this is really wild because it's just one very carefully crafted ad, not even a whole like production change. Like, I don't even feel comfortable acknowledging this as rainbow washing because it's just one little thing that's had 
a huge impact. It's like the M and M's type thing. It's like that was at that was at least a change of packaging, but it was still bonkers, ridiculous. The thing is that people will get caught up in these news cycles, so then they'll stop focusing on things that are actually happening. Because if we're so focused on transphobes blowing up beer cans, then we're not going to focus on the people who are uh, in politics trying to kill us. Yeah. Yeah. I, I feel like, not I feel like, this is an objective fact that like, exploitation, <laughs> exploitation is so baked into communism. Or communism, Jesus Christ. Exploitation <laughs> is so baked into capitalism. Yeah, and, and it's, like, so e- not, it's significantly easier to exploit minorities. Yeah, and it's not not just exploitation in the like child labor way or or anything like that. It's it's literally just like running a campaign and saying something to get people's attention. Like, how many companies came out in support of Black Lives Matter in 2020? You know. And they got all that attention, whether good or bad. But I guarantee you, the CEO, there's some fucking bigwig in some massive office driving his goddamn Rolls Royce, couldn't give two shits about it. So it's just, it's really interesting how people get so worked up about it. And it's really nothing more than a stunt. Yeah, I've actually studied a little bit of um, marketing campaigns and techniques. Uh, I took a social justice marketing class because I was feeling silly. So <laughs> it's outside of like my other research, but I know a bit about how these campaigns form. And the thing is, it's just lucrative. It is absolutely lucrative to go with uh, social justice campaigns. And you can put that to your own benefit. And sometimes it's in a way that's like, whoa, this is actually like support in a time where there's not a lot of support or recognition given. And that's impressive. Like if here's where uh, combining the marketing class I took and all the study I did there uh, with my general research and stuff. But like um, one of the first ever companies that actually came out in support of the LGBTQ community was Absolute Vodka. And they were like big, strong supporters. And that one established them as one of like the queer brands. And they got used, their logos got used in campaigns by um the queer liberation front uh they ran something called like um absolutely queer absolutely straight like that was a whole thing they did where they controversially uh, publicly outed um celebrities and politicians right like they became ingrained with that and then absolute vodka was the preferred uh brand used in um, gay bars uh, to the point where they had like special drinks for absolute vodka um when rupaul's drag race first came on the scene uh like people can say very clearly that Absolute Vodka was like present in every one of those episodes as a sponsor, um, because they have always been very strong and open supporters, and that's in a time where yes, they made absolute bank by the way that uh, picked them up. Like they made absolute bank, yeah. <laughs> but, um... but like it's also a little bit impressive in that moment that they're like okay we're gonna stand by this community and it happened to pay off for them but like nowadays it's i don't think the intentions are the same way i don't think they are yeah i 
I have these two really big thoughts, and I and I gotta say them before I lose them because that's just how it's going today. Okay. One rumble is that a fucking monster can? No, uh, it's even worse. It was rain, dude. Which, and you're giving um, me shit about drinking Pepsi. Fuck you, dude. Like, <laughs> dude. No, no, I don't drink this because it's good. I drink it because it has three hundred milligrams of caffeine. You could drink a Panera lemonade for that. Oh, dude, or that's slapped. I could not go to Panera. <laughs> Panera, man. Can I tell my silly, funky story about Panera? Okay, but after after this, I just... Um, ja- Jackson had another thought. Oh, Jackson finished. I had a, a bigly thought, and this is kind of big overarching. So when I first started college, I was big into business, business student, all that kind of weird corporate BS. Um, For why? Yeah, it was gross. But I took some marketing. (laughs) I'm better now. (laughs) I took some marketing classes. And looking back, it was extremely sociopathic, the lack of empathy they had for any of the groups in their studies whatsoever. Like, you could think of basically anything, any emotion, they looked to quantify that, like turn, turn somebody feeling thirsty into some kind of statistic they can control. Like the the way I usually describe it is, if they could convince you that feeding rat poison to your dog would increase their bottom line by ten cents on the dollar, then they would do so. So just like, and I feel like it's kind of gone even more insane because this was pre-COVID when I took those classes, but since COVID and everybody's been at home and consuming a lot more media, I feel like I feel like companies are kind of like rabid dogs the way they just kind of go after you and their advertisements like they track your data they they just do all kinds of really wild shit that it's hard to believe that they actually get away with and i think i think covid like the quarantine i know it wasn't really as big down here but um in some places but i i just feel like it really enraged people and companies were a big part of that because people saw where people's fears and weak points were, and they attacked that. So I feel like the divisiveness and the hate and everything is a carefully devised. Because these are because these companies, they're not people. They are brands, and they are and and brands don't feel emotions or have empathy for anyone. I don't know if you could agree with that or not, or if we can move to Rumble's Panera story. But yeah, no, you're uh, very very right. Yeah, I think something else about, like, the marketing thing is, like, you gotta keep marketing in mind for a lot of things, not just capitalist gain. Because if you see the rhetoric being pushed about trans people right now, uh, what do they call us, like, mutants and imps? I, Christ, if I know. Um, but, like, to combat a lot of the rhetoric being pushed, you also have to use marketing techniques. So that's where like social justice marketing comes in, where you actually do marketing for a cause and for a purpose. Uh, So that's something important to keep in mind too. And when you are thinking that way, you can really break down a lot of the messages being pushed by politicians and even by like groups that you love and support and that are doing the right thing. So like um, you see 
these people are going with anti-trans legislation to protect the family and protect family values. But if you go and you look at things that are like pro-trans, very supportive, trying to get rid of these bills, you also have to use the same techniques of protecting the family. Like we're just average people because we are. So you have to play that game too. So just something to keep in mind when you are talking to people who could be transphobic, that if you use their logic, you can probably make a better argument for yourself. Tricks of the trade. Trans people are people. (laughs) (laughs) There's a shocking amount of people who would disagree with you on that. Oh, yeah, we're imps and mutants. Oh, yeah. Um... Oh, sorry. Wow, okay. I'm sorry. No, it's but, okay. It's okay. But like one of like, because I have I have autism and I learned how to mask from an early age. And one of the first things that really stuck with me is to know your audience whenever you're speaking with people. And I feel like that just pays dividends when it comes to speaking to people where you may not see eye to eye on ideologies, even if their ideolo- ideologies are hate. Um is to kind of know your audience, like, know what can really speak to them and what doesn't. But anyways, Rumble, tell us about, because, you know, there's Arby's Girl. What about Panera Boy? (laughs) No, one more thing before that. And then we'll get to why I hate Panera. Yeah, Um, I really need to hear the Panera story, because it's coming up a lot in our conversations. So... uh, A whole two times? Yeah, that's a lot. That's Anyways, a pattern forming. Before we get to Panera and why they suck, um, this, that whole conversation that like social social justice and marketing. Do you hear y'all fuck with Bo Burnham? Yeah. What would yeah. you like to say about Bo Burnham? Uh, it just reminds me a lot of that one bit that he did in Inside. Uh, I don't know if y'all recall, but I watched that movie quite a bit. It's it's one of my comfort movies, which is red flag, but we're gonna ignore that. But we'll um, ignore it for the sake of the story. Yeah, he has this bit where he um, he's playing as this what what is it called? Um, this brand marketing consultant, where he like consults with brands about how to use social justice in their marketing and stuff, and it's just. I don't know. He he plays a satire to it. It's really, really funny. And he's like, who are you, Fatal Bites? What do you stand for? And I, I think he, he raises some really good points that like sometimes brands don't need to have an opinion. It, it's like uh, w- one of the other things he said was like, uh, will you support Triscuits in the fight against Lyme disease? Which is an off-the-wall example, but I think he raises a good point about, like, yeah, I like, if, if brands are doing shitty things, then, you know, you shouldn't support that, but why do entities, not even people, entities like brands have to have an opinion on, on things like that? I feel like it's important to offer a clarification between brands using social justice for their marketing and then social justice marketing. So like right. the field of social justice marketing is going to be when a social justice cause has to use marketing techniques to get their message across. Right. 
So like uh, the most famous example is going to be Black Lives Matter because that is an organization slogan and like mm. a name that has become like synonymous with a movement. So yeah, right. just important little clarification. But yeah, no, you're so right. It's not <laughs> like entities do not need to have um, a message necessarily. Because like, is or it at cool? least not a social justice message? Yeah, is it cool that Bud Light came out in support of the trans community? I guess, but are they even they in support of the trans community, really or was it just the one woman? And, and yeah, it also begs that question, and it all falls back on them. Just it's just some marketing ploy, you know. They did it for the TikTok. <laughs> they did it for the memes. Yeah, they did it for the giggles. I mean, honestly, in the age of I'm trying to think of the best way to say this, basically it's outrage porn, like with TikTok and Reels and Twitter. Like, whatever you can do that can spark the most debate and outrage and back and forth and infighting of the general population is what brands are going to start to do more and more. And it's sad that that having a trans woman or having a rainbow flag on your beer can could spark so much outrage. But, like, I just think it's something, especially with how successful it's been to Bud Light sales, from what I've seen, it's going to become way more common, unfortunately. I mean, not that it's unfortunate that they're doing those things, but just the fact that it's manipulative. Yeah, it's just what's already been in place. Yeah. Yeah. Anyways, Panera. Panera. Uh, so, I used to be the coolest kid on the block and work at Hot Topic. Um, and right, neither of you are from my area. Uh, there's this mall called Gulf View Square Mall, and it's atrocious and it's the worst. And it's where I worked. Like, dude, back when I was five, that place was popping. That like it was packed all the time. It's a ghost town now, and it's really sad because like I grew up in there. But not the point. Anyways, I worked at this really shitty mall. Hot Topic was like one of the only relevant stores left there. And um, on my lunch break, I would hop in my car and I would take my happy ass over to the Taco Bell right outside the mall and I would get something because I was working for minimum wage and Taco Bell is cheap. And I was complaining about my tummy hurting. And my boss, Corey, uh, was like, well, you know, I see you bring Taco Bell into the break room every single day. <laughs> <laughs> maybe maybe try something better and i was like like what and they said well there's a panera right next door and like i didn't have very hard feelings about panera before this i i don't know i kind of had like we asked panera like? for its stance on trans people but what are trans people's stance on panera i guess we're about to find out we already know you like them. Now it's my turn. I do like I do um, like Panera. But I don't know. Panera always felt pretentious to me. And, which is not fair because I had never eaten there before this moment. It's uh but essentially like good hospital food. Yeah. And I, <laughs> I went there. I went there. And normally, just so you know, I would spend five, six bucks at Taco Bell. It would get me through my shift. I went there and I ordered a BLT 
and I got a sandwich and I got a drink and I'm pretty sure that was it. And I spent like thirteen dollars, and and the BLT had avocado on it, so clearly that's why it was so expensive. It was a bulk. Yeah, I, I I brought it back and I was like, "Look, Corey, I did it." And and they and they were like, "Yeah, good job. Your tummy ain't gonna hurt." And so I went back there and I ate it, and it was the most disappointing sandwich I've ever eaten in my life. And they were like. How do you like your Panera? And I was like, I'm never fucking doing that again. That was the largest like hole in my wallet. <laughs> At that point in time, was deciding to go to Panera. And yeah. man, it wasn't it wasn't worth the extra seven dollars. And ever since then, man, Panera is the kind of place that'll heat up mac and cheese in the microwave shove it in a stale bread bowl and charge you fucking $15 for it. And I'm not going to stand for that as a cook, as someone who enjoys making good food. I can't stand for that. Taco Bell. They're not trying to be good. They're, they don't pretend to be good. They don't pretend to be healthy. I don't even know what it's in their beef. I've seen them make it. That shit comes out like a paste dog. And <laughs> I don't care. It's cheap and it's good and it's disgusting. And I love it. What if I told you that Taco Bell has made me cry? Good. Good? That's that's a true Taco Bell experience. Yeah, because like the last three times I've gone to Taco Bell, they have messed up my order so bad that I cannot eat it. And the very last they, time... Do I they would... give you non-vegetarian options? Do they give you yeah. that shit on accident? Yes. Oh, okay. But the last time, I was like, hey... Um, the past couple of times I've been here, y'all have messed up my order, and like, just want to make sure there's no meat on this. Like, there's no meat on this, right? And then the girl laughed at me and was mean to me. <laughs> and she was like, "Nope, I saw them make it. They made it with black beans." And I'm like, "Okay, cool." And then everyone else was laughing, and I went to check my order after she handed it to me. And she was like, why are you checking your order? I already told you that there's no meat on it. Do you not believe me? I'm like, no, I, well, I'll trust you, I guess. Um, I mean, she was mean to me more. She was mean about my money. And it was weird. And I hated everything about it. And then I was like, fine, I guess I, guess I won't check the order. She said she saw him make it. You'll never guess what happened. There was, there was meat in it. Yeah, it was like I ordered uh, three Doritos Locust Tacos with black beans and i got three normal tacos with meat I'm like all right and then i cried well, it, was not, it was not a good day so i would just like to say as the straight cis white man in the room yeah um, you're right your voice is not heard enough i know <laughs> i have to speak truth to power right now yeah. Well, let's see. You've been in control of this country for 400 years. Um, okay, but, but my, my grip has loosened. But um, it really um, hasn't. You see, but it feels like it has, and that's the problem. Um, um, but yeah, I would. I was working at Best Buy, and there's Panera like across the street, and I really enjoyed. This is about it. to be in defense of Panera or against Panera. I don't know, man. I really enjoyed it, but um, but yeah, I was making sixteen dollars an hour, and I go to Panera and get a large drink and some mac and cheese, and it 
I'd be like, damn, I have a half an hour off for lunch and I just lost an hour's worth of work of money for food that honestly isn't that good. Yeah, it, they and, charge way too much for their food. Yeah, like, honestly, like... like it's just, like, they have this... This... And it's back to Mark. Like, they have this brand, like, they're this artisan bakery or whatever. But if you exactly. just... If you just put it to where it is, they're pretty much just a fast food deli. And they and their prices seem to reflect that. Um, those are the thought. Um, yeah, they put themselves up as, like, fast casual. But it's... It's hospital food. It's good hospital yeah. food. Like, it'll do the trick, but they charge way too much for it. I'm not rushing to defend this company. Go ahead, Jackson. Oh, I remember the Taco Bell thing. Um, I wow. was I was emotionally manipulated and abused into being a vegan for a few months. And, um... And <laughs> I... Only Jackson. Only me, because I'm a spin. <laughs> but, um... But basically, I was, I ate black bean crunch wrap fresco at Taco Bell, like five days a week or four days a week. Ooh, and, and it's the most bland yes. shit you've ever tasted. Because really, there's not a lot of fast food options for vegans, to be honest with you. And no. And it's expensive to like cook vegan food too, so it's just like, guess I'm getting another black bean crunch wrap fresco or another black bean burrito. I cannot eat another fucking black bean the rest of my life, to be honest with you, because that was like months on end. And then, and then yeah. the day after she dumped me, I just fucking went and got a large Little Caesars pepperoni lover pizza, and I fucking ate that shit all in one go, man. I was like, yeah. Hell but yeah. anyways, yeah, the, the, there's my therapy session for the day. Um. <laughs> Dude, as far as fast casual goes, which is stupid, by the way, that's a stupid gender of, of food. <laughs> <laughs> it's a stupid gender of restaurant. Yeah, I like how it. it's like, we have a trans scholar, the smartest person we've ever had on our podcast. Let's get into the gender of fast food restaurants. <laughs> and I'm not rushing to defend this company either. But I, but I do respect the practices as far as in-house like food making goes. I don't know what kind of exploitation this company uses. So like I said, but as far as the in-house food preparing practices of this restaurant chain, I respect the hell out of Chipotle. Okay, I was hoping that's where you were going. <laughs> and I won't lie, working there sucked. But Dude, not a microwave in there. Not a. There's not even a fucking freezer in that bitch. Like, it's honestly kind of impressive for a chain restaurant to run like that. And everyone's like, oh, it's so expensive. But unfortunately, you have to pay for quality. And it is quality food. That's my... That's, I have that yeah. same... Um, I have that same um, argument in defense of Five Guys. Five Guys is my favorite place to get a burger. And there's a reason. Never been to Five Guys in my life. Well, I mean, burgers don't yeah. really apply to you. They have nothing to offer me, but I, I do enjoy Chipotle. I don't um, like Moe's. I don't know if you just brought up Moe's. I don't like Moe's. Moe's is bad. Moe's, yeah, Moe's sucks. Yeah. I'm a but Chipotle dude, enjoyer. Five, five Guys, I've done actual like research into this company. Because I was like, there's got to be a reason it tastes so good. And there's a reason it's so expensive. 
and it is the, never beef is never frozen nothing is ever frozen they get they get their buns delivered to them every single day the fries are made in-house which is nuts because as someone who cooks making fries like from scratch like from potato to fry is a long process like you gotta you gotta cut them up you gotta you gotta soak them in water and pull out all the starches. You gotta fry them once for a few minutes at three fifty. Then you gotta pull them out, let them cool down, and then fry them again at three seventy five to get a good fry. That is a crazy long process for a, for a fast food restaurant to be doing, and they do it. And their fries are banging. So I don't know. I respect good food practices. I just wish it wasn't so expensive. Okay, so since you know about like restaurant fast food stuff do you know why there are combo kfc taco bells do you know the reason yeah actually there okay um... i was quizzing you i also know oh, so okay. now, it's a, now it's a jackson test do you know jackson do you know you'd like the reason uh, this pisses me because... off this is like flashback to earlier in the in the conversation yeah that's why i that's why it's a quiz now because they're owned by the same parent company, I don't know. Okay. Who's the parent yeah. company? Who's the parent company? Who's the parent company? Uh, KFC and Taco Bell. Think um, about earlier in the conversation. Go back to the beginning. Like, Coca-Cola. Like half an hour. No, oh, no. So close. No. Pepsi. It's Pepsi. Cool as fuck. But um, I really want to move on from um. The fast yeah, food, but, but, no, uh, no more I'm, restaurant I'm, genders. I'm gonna give you a trivia. So I've worked at Pizza Hut, Little Caesars, and Domino's. And guess which place out of the three of those does not have a freezer and makes everything fresh every day? I know the answer to this. Are you quizzing me or are you quizzing Charlie? Either or. I forgot the Is options it, already. It's gonna be Little Caesars. Caesars. Yeah. Pizza Hut and Domino's. Which of those three makes their shit fresh every day and doesn't? It's have probably a gonna be Little Caesars. I feel it's like it's gonna be Little Caesars. Caesars, dude. Yeah. Yeah, and they're the cheapest fucking ones, and they're the only mm. ones that does shit. Like it was a pain in the ass because I had to literally make the dough by hand every day. Yeah, I did too. That was my first job, dude. Like, dude. It's like, like, my like, and the fact that like Pizza Hut and Domino's have such a better reputation, somewhat, as being like. I don't know, like real pizza compared to Little Caesars is kind of nuts because Little Caesars. Like, I don't get that. Shit the right I, way. Okay, I feel so bad. I really want to like Little Caesars, but their sauce tastes so gross to me that like it's inedible, and it makes the me sad. I, yeah. I want to eat it. it. I don't. There's something about it. Literally, I cannot eat it, and it makes me so upset because I want to be a Little Caesar supporter. I don't understand why. I am like, in my heart. It, it's bland. That I'll give you, but I don't think it I, I don't get it weird. either. I don't I, get it either. I've even tried, like, just once I had a slice of Little Caesars pizza, and I did not know it was Little Caesars pizza, and I still thought it was, like, repulsive. I feel so bad about it. I want to be a Little Caesars enjoyer. I, I appreciate their $5 pizza so much. I love it. I, I don't like it. They're crazy, Brad. Delicious. I will eat an entire pan by myself, especially because I'll see everyone else eating the pizza, and I think the sauce is gross. So I'll just eat the whole thing of bread. But yeah, that's like that's my struggle. 
it's literally just it's literally just tomato puree water and this like package of italian seasoning i think i hate the italian seasoning yeah it's, it, it's, it's kind of grody bro but um fun, fun fact about little Caesars italian seasoning i have snorted a line of it right up the nose oh dude no it was the one of the most painful experiences of my life if I find that video, I will send it to both of you. Just Thanks be prepared to see. Just be prepared to see short hair, no beard. That's scary. Yeah, <laughs> there's a dumb. lot of fear. I really thought that we were going to like a different conversation when you were like getting away from the fast food stuff. I thought we were going to stop yeah, talking about food. Thought, fast food. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I just I, I said just one real okay, but um, really. I think a big thing I wanted to bring up that I think is big now, especially since we're kind of a music podcast sometimes, sort of, um, is, and this is kind of a long-winded question, but, um, so if you look back at the 80s and 90s, um, you have a lot of cross-dressing and openly feminine frontmen and, like, icons... David Bowie, Kurt Cobain, um, hell, Robert Smith. Yeah, exactly. I, I'm just my brain is blank, but um, and then, but there seems to be like a radical shift to where, like back then, doing that stuff was seen as punk and cool by a certain generation, Gen X, baby boomers, whatever. But now those same people are villainizing open openly out trans people and you know openly feminine men and like it's kind of like i feel like we've gone backwards as a society in terms of what a certain group of people thinks masculinity and femininity mean in general and the validity of it like what what do you think has kind of is kind of the cause of that or like some of the reasons why that has happened yeah, I think the uh, one thing to start us off when we think about this is the people who supported these artists probably aren't the people who are criticizing current gender nonconforming people. A lot of the times we group the generation in together, but you got to think back in the 80s and 90s, 70s, when you're seeing all these people, there are just as many people criticizing them as there are today with like Harry Styles wearing a dress, right? Like, you're seeing the same conversations happening over and over again. I don't think we've ever evolved to a point where it's been generally accepted by all of society. But um, in my work, I have, because I am a historian, so I have traced um, back to uh, the 70s and uh, punk in the 70s of you see a different form of masculinity get created where you sort of take femininity and play with it. And you're so secure in your own masculinity that you can go ahead and protest and be punk with your fashion and your gender presentation. So that's when you see artists like Bowie, like um, you can put all of Nirvana in there with their funny little uh, Rolling Stone shoot. Um, I focus on like goth and new wave too. So I'm really big Depeche Mode fan. So it's like all this different fashion happening. Like definitely it's been there but it's also been criticized in those generations as it is now. Um, so it's, 
Yeah, I lost my train of thought. <laughs> I'm thinking about Depeche Mode too much now. But, yeah. Who isn't? You know, if you're not thinking about Depeche Mode, what are you doing? Probably thinking about Weezer. Those <laughs> are the two options. You, of yeah. <laughs> you, you were raising a really good point, though, that, like, yeah, you can look back on those artists who were doing drag and wearing dresses and whatnot and say, like, oh, they were cool with it back then. But not everyone was, you know. Yeah. There, there's always been divisiveness. Yeah, yeah and then maybe, there's also, like, sorry, you can go ahead. And I was just going to say, maybe it's social media, too. Like, people, people weren't really able to be as loud and obnoxious about their opinions back then. Yeah, yeah, um, that's definitely a factor. Um, I think that also just with like, as people get older, they also tend to lose the cause. This is not for every person as they grow up, but just like things change, your ideas change. People tend to become less radical uh, as they get older. Um, like. Oh my god, I'm forgetting his name, but the guy from the Sex Pistols, who turned out to be like a neo-Nazi. Uh, Johnny Rotten? Is it Johnny Rotten? I think yeah. so. It's like, dude, what are you doing? You're an absolute fool. The Sex Pistols are also very silly as a group. Yeah. Because they're a funny little uh, punk boy band. But they got the fashion down, but that's not... you. We credit the Sex Pistols for their fashion, but that's Vivian Westwood all the way, baby. Yeah, that's what I was gonna say. Like, that's that yeah. that lady that was there for like all the biggest fashion icons in the punk scene back then. Yeah, she created the whole fashion movement there. Um, but yeah, it's it gets silly. It it gets weird. Your priorities change as you get older too. So you can be like, well, I'm not gonna care that much about like radical forms of fashion and the way i present myself because now i know how the economy works like it gets it gets silly priorities get changed it's you know there's no clear answer for that there are several right. different things that we have to consider and it's also on a case-by-case -case basis and there's also a sort of uh, romanticization we have of the past so like let's take bowie i love bowie uh you know big fan but we can call Bowie out for like problematic statements about like bisexuality and that whole confusing mess like the idols we pick are not always worthy of being idolized and not flawless within our modern perspectives uh, yeah yeah historians have this issue all the time you have to think about the time period that you're examining because when you start putting modern language and modern ideas onto the past you can create anachronisms and it won't make sense and you will completely mess up your analysis and start saying things that are not true so yeah just many different factors to be considered mm. sorry i don't have a good concrete answer for you just more food for thought i'm not sure that that is one so i mean I we, can't we, got, too much. we got first time chatter in the house we got jennings gainey saying hi charlie oh, that's my little brother. Oh boy. Yeah. Much but like you... Rumble. <laughs> but I mean, yeah, I can definitely relate to like as you, you get say older. Brother. You become... it's, it's a Can't sibling joke. It's a sibling joke. 
Charlie's being transformed. I call my little guys. sister my little brother too. <laughs> this is not an arms race. This is a Twitch stream. Read the fucking title. Okay. Wow. What a fun. But, uh, <laughs> but uh, I'm just kidding. Yeah, this is an arms race, but arms race. Yeah. But um. Oh my god! Um, I'm the only one here with no tattoos. Don't look at me. You need to work on that. But um, I can definitely relate to I'm like as you get older, you become less radicalized. Because back when I was in my twenties, um, I voted for Bernie Sanders in the primary, and now. <laughs> and now that I'm in my forties, I voted for Joe Biden, and uh, I know I think he's doing a really good job. You know, um, not sleepy Joe. <laughs> But anyways, that's that just my dumb joke about people think I'm older than I am. But anyway, yeah, what are you? Fifty-seven. Uh, <laughs> it's okay, Jackson. People think I'm older than I am too. Dude, it's funny because like you no one knows how old I am. No one has any clue. I was here when the world was created, and I'll be here when it's gone. God, you're really letting this god complex get to your head, aren't you? What am I going to do? Deny the people's headcanons? Mm, good point. Dude, completely off topic. Like, this is some off-the-wall shit, and I'm about to make Jackson really regret making me part of this podcast. But, man, if I ever get famous for any reason, like, if I'm ever some sort of figure, um, my Feet Finder page is going to be so extensive. Like, I got the dogs out 90% of the time. Like, every time I adjust your, my Will life, you have a good rating, time, though? That's the question. Are you going to have a good rating? I hope so. I mean, there's got to be a market if, out there for big feet, right? What if people... <laughs> maybe you're big foot. <laughs> I mean, I think I'm hairy enough to qualify. No, there's going to be, like, a whole rating system. And people are going to be like... They always got the dogs out, and they're disgusting. Like, that's a possibility. Yeah. No, 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 you're definitely right. I just feel like there's got, like, I was thinking about this. There's Are you gotta asking be some, one like, of us to start it? Is that where this is going? Definitely not. Please don't. But I was thinking about this the other day, because everyone knows about, um, oh, I, did I say Feet Finder? I definitely meant to say WikiFeet. If y'all if y'all don't know I, what WikiFeed is, I, I processed Wiki. I processed it as WikiFeed. That's why I went with the rating. Right, right, right. No, WikiFeed is just like a website where you can type in people's names and like famous people, and you can find pictures of their feet that people have uploaded. Don't ask me why I know that. Anyways, we know why because you're googling your own name there. <laughs> if we talk about feet finder, like let's segue. Um, I feel like there's got to be a market. Like for me personally, not not me to look for other people, but for like dude, you're having to do a lot of clarification here. I know because this is a sensitive topic, <laughs> but my feet are massive. There's got to be like someone who gets their jollies from that, right? Humble, Probably. you're losing us viewers, man. Jennings said, "I'm leaving with the word feet." Good night. <laughs> You just lost the viewer. Like, they're size 17, dude. 
Some, Dude, some where, 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 where do you even find shoes that big? Do you where are them online? Ross. Ross sometimes has them. And I don't care how ugly they are, if they're my size, I buy them. And I get, dude, I get clowned on so much for being in the local punk yeah, scene. Yeah, with those big and old like, feet. Of course you like, get clowned on. Need <laughs> <laughs> your little clown shoes. <laughs> I've got another story. But, dude, I can't tell you how many times people have come up to me and been like, oh, dude, sick set. Why the fuck are you wearing Nikes on stage? Like, bro, they don't make docks in my size, dude. <laughs> I have to wear Shaquille O'Neal ass shoes, dog. Anyways, I was at work. It was like my second day at this new job, and one of the waitresses looks down and goes, "Damn, with your goofy ass, big ass feet!" And dude, I cried about it. As you should have. <laughs> that was your Taco Bell moment. Yeah, I didn't cry right then and there because I had to be tough in front of the in front of the the kitchen staff. I can't let them know I'm a pussy. But man. Later, when I got home, I was I was actually like really upset about it. Andrea, if you're listening, you hurt my feelings. When's the song dropping? Cut that out. I don't want her name in the. But how's that? Dude. How's that song by by Law Dispute? Andrea, go. Is that the? I think I saw you in my sleep. Darling. No, that's such, that's such small hands, and it's also the only Law Dispute song I know by the title because I hate Law Dispute. <laughs> oh, I think it's good, but I can't. I haven't listened to it in forever. I haven't been sad enough in a while. Dude, but, his uh, voice is so goofy. Tell me you can <laughs> listen to that song and not laugh. It's it's, it's really funny. When, the sure. first time I, the first time I heard it, I thought it was a joke. Yeah, right. Look up a picture of him. I forget his name, but look up a picture of him. He just but, looks goofy. But the thing is, is that a lot of spew, even if they're not amazing to your taste, him. like a lot of your favorite bands are definitely inspired by like the fact that like they're one of like one of the few bands to make it doing basically like slam poetry as their music. And a lot of people, a lot, a lot of bands that you may enjoy have probably like stolen cadences and stuff from them. I saw what he looks like. I know you did not just call Law Dispute slam poetry. It basically is. Oh my god. I don't like that. Charlie, did you look up a picture of him? I did. He's just, he's a goofy looking dude. Not like in an ugly way. Just like, you listen to his voice. You know who's a really goofy looking dude? Neil C. Siriega. I don't know who that is. That's a silly guy. Uh, Lemon Demon. Oh, oh yeah, you're right. Yeah. He's, he's a funny guy. But I mean that positively. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I'm like, wow, what a, what a funny, goofy guy. What a Lemon Demon. You know? <laughs> oh, Ch- Ch- Charlie, we have a, we have a fan question because I, I put up a, a poll last night. Mm-hmm. When was your first encounter with Updog? Oh, shut the fuck up. I know exactly who asked that question. <laughs> I doubt you do. Did you forget you gave me access to the Instagram, Jackson? <laughs> Charlie, would you like to know who submitted that question? Sure. I believe his name is Jackson Tujo. He's about 53 years old. <laughs> 
<laughs> and he hosts this really shitty podcast. I see. Dude, I've been on stage with bands, and I'll like whisper over to the bassist, "Hey, have you heard of Updog?" And they'll be like, "Why have you never done that to me?" I don't know. I've done it to the guy from Till Now and a couple other bands, and they'll like stop exactly what they're doing, like in between songs, be like, "What the fuck is Updog?" And I'm like, "Nothing much. What about you?" I have a weird occurrence about work. Like, this has happened several times at several different workplaces where people will call me Big Dog and I'll be like, huh? Dude, I love Big Dog. Like, it's normal. I'm a fan, but I'm just confused every time. I'm like, I'm scooping ice cream. It's like, I'm scooping ice cream. What are you... But, um... Uh... I mean, so we haven't talked about any of what you do academically, like at no. all. No, we, we talked about Weezer for a while. Dude, what did I say at the beginning of this podcast? It is going to be the most off the wall, random episode. If anybody can get through this, hats off. Yeah, so this like, is like we have this person who is like used to talking about his research. We're not going to do any of that though. Dude, We're gonna you know talk whole... about WikiFee and Taco Bell. <laughs> you know the whole meme about like four white guys starting a podcast about nothing. Yeah, that's us right now. Honestly, yeah, this... we have like... become the enemy. It's like that meme of those five like seven year olds or three seven year olds on that white couch. <laughs> yeah. Like my last a movie interview or was with the Associated Press. okay so let's get on topic i doubt you have the capability to do that rumble but i'm interested to see where you go with this dude my adhd is crippling and that's what makes this podcast good (laughs) (laughs) same oh but um so you've mentioned that you're doing a lot of research into MCR. Like, I'm just going to stick with that stuff. Also, Fallout Boy, just because I like MCR and I don't like Fallout Boy. And Okay, that's this fine. Is, this is my MCR podcast. is more of my basis. So, um, yeah, so where, where, did, where did you get that kind of relation from? I mean, obviously, like, Gerard is a big ally and all of them are, but, like, how did how did how did your research into them kind of get started? So, like, honestly, just personal experiences, because pretty much every trans mask person I know really fucks with MCR, <laughs> and like, I'm stuck on the MCR side of Twitter, and pretty much every person I see posting is trans mask, and it's like, okay, well, that's interesting. Uh, maybe there's something to be studied there because, like, there's such a huge trans mask following for My Chemical Romance, and you can tell a lot about, like, the implications of an artist, like, the cultural implications of an artist by their following, and in that, you can find more about that culture and that community. So, MCR just happens to be a really good example because they are uh, a more popular artist, they are pinnacle of emo music they have uh the fashions the politics the fan base 
anything that you could want to talk about with emo music, they can represent it in some way. And something that sets them apart from other artists is that they have always been uh, open and outspoken in the lies. And their lyricism parallels a lot of issues and struggles that the trans mass community faces. And mainly I've boiled this down into the ideas of trans rage and gender envy being why so many people uh, flock to my chem. And that's because like within their lyrics, within their aesthetic, you can find both of those things represented. And uh, when I talk about trans rage, that's accredited to uh, a famous trans historian and scholar, uh, Susan Stryker. And she coined the term of trans rage, which is like, okay, everything is going against us. We have to rebuild ourselves and we get constantly beat down. So we feel a rage that like cannot be felt by anyone else because we are fighting our bodies. We are fighting society. We are fighting everything that we possibly could be facing. And even if you handle it well, you are feeling some sort of rage. And that's why a lot of trans people get drawn to punk music and to rock music. And those thoughts of rage are also in my chem because they're coming from a place of like post 9-11 going with that, where you're seeing all of these politics, all of these societal shifts happening and they're coming into their own at the same time. So it's reflected in their lyricism and in their sound. And then on the other hand, you have gender envy, which uh, I could go into my whole academic definition of that, but then we'd get really Freudian, which is not very fun. <laughs> so uh, long story short on that one is like, you see someone's gender presentation and you're envious of that gender presentation because you want that aesthetic and how they are perceived uh and that's with pretty i've seen it with every member of uh my chemical romance but the most popular one that i see people being like oh that person gives me gender envy oh i want to look like that person is gerard way and gerard as a person is a really interesting example of gender envy because they've always uh, toyed with masculinity in a way that is reflective of, you know, these past rock icons that we were talking about earlier, where you see a different form of masculinity. And you can see that throughout emo music in general. But to keep it as brief as possible, Gerard has always fucked with uh, makeup, uh, being a little bit feminine uh, nowadays, messing around with like wearing skirts, dresses, what have you. So the fact that Gerard Way can exist with these different presentations and aesthetics and still be regarded as a masculine figure is something that a lot of trans mask people desire and want for themselves. So yeah. Uh, and another thing about Gerard is uh, not openly like any sort of like gender non-conforming label but has said to use he they pronouns which adds another element that a lot of trans mass people can identify with because like oh you said your pronouns too and they might match up with mine like type of thing so it's that solidarity created and then the other members of my phone have always been extremely accepting of their trans audience 
especially their trans mask audience. Um, like Frank Iero was talking about making binders and type of things like that. So like, it's a lot. There's a lot to talk about there. So that's kind of how I came into the research for it. Yeah. Oh, that's sick. Because I can actually... I, I, I want to say this. I can relate to the Gerard Way thing, in a way, when it comes to views on masculinity. Because growing up, when I was in middle school, back in, like, the 70s, um... <laughs> I listen to MCR like constantly like I watch their music videos all the time and like you know that's a very transformative period whether like regardless of like your gender or whatever and um it really kind of inspired my views on masculinity which I kind of repressed when cuz I went to like a Christian school and stuff mm -hmm. until I got to college and then like but I don't know. I just I feel like I credit Gerard Way for being a, for me being a lot more open and you know not having to not having to always like have to act super manly and tough and never wear makeup, never paint your nails and stuff. So like even as like a cis straight person, like having somebody out there like Gerard Way can still influence people in a positive way whether you're trans or not yeah no uh 100 that's the other interesting thing about the following of mike and gorman's because they're all for intents and purposes i'm not going to speculate about gerard's gender because that's not my place to assign a label that's really problematic and i'm against that uh so for the purposes of this conversation we're going to say that gerard is also a cis man um but you have these four cis guys who are completely like tearing apart gender. Like all of them are doing it. And it's reflective within emo where you see this whole different form of masculinity get created that any guy listening to the music can aspire to trans or cis. So like some elements of that is like, like we already talked about with playing with the gender presentation, makeup, painting your nails, having longer hair, whatever it may be. But, like, within that, it it's the presentation. It's the placing yourself at the center of the song and being that sort of male protagonist um, that, like, people can see and they'll sing along to the songs. And it's like, okay, I can be that protagonist. I can identify with you. I don't have to adhere to elements of traditional masculinity that I've grown to know like being like super strong or tough or uh into sports liking girls whatever that may be that you associate with traditional masculinity that is not your only option because here you have a ton of other men who are still plenty masculine enough that you're like no i'm not doubting if they are a man but it's something that you can identify with and you can take and make your own so I think I, I don't want to um, infringe on your experiences in any way, but I think that what you described aligns with the phenomenon that I've been recording and tracking. So it it's not just a trans thing. It's a everyone thing. Yeah, I think that's really interesting. I mean, I, I mean, I listen to NCR as any, 
you know, pop punk middle schooler would. Um, I wouldn't, I wouldn't say that I grew nearly as attached to them as I did to other artists in that genre. Like my, my big artist was Green Day. Um, who, and not, not to discredit Billy Joe Armstrong in any way, because that dude is awesome. And he also, you know, not to Gerard Way's extent, but also toys yeah. with masculinity. And oh, no, 100%. Yeah. I can, you can use several artists in the place of My Chemical Romance in this conversation. Um, yeah. I just think that My Chemical Romance is a specific one for a trans mask fan base. But Green Day right. also has a huge uh, trans following. And the reason that I have focused my research on my chem over green day because that was a debate i had internally because i also really really enjoy green day it's just because there is more research already on green day and mm -hmm. green day has a longer history than my chem so can talk about a few different elements and it's a more politically charged band as well yeah yeah, uh, so, yeah. i don't see the and I don't see the same things of gender envy represented with the members of Green Day that I see with my Ken. No. Still no, trans rage, right. right? You can still definitely see the rage. Yeah. And I, I think I had a similar experience to Jackson. Um, I've never really put a whole lot of thought into it, actually, up until this moment. Um, but part of why... And, and, and part of my biggest problem with my own gender identity, um, where am I going with this? Is like, you know, I, I was raised in a similar way to Jackson uh, in that, like, you know, I went to a Christian school and, you know, my parents were all about traditional values and whatnot. Uh, and I didn't think that how I felt and what I had been feeling made me a man in a way um and you you guys both know that i use uh they pronouns and that's partly why it's because like it's been so drilled into my brain that i that what i'm feeling does not make me a man you know so i didn't know really know what to call myself and until i figure it out that's what i'm gonna stick with um but it's just i feel like hmm, i feel like i can almost relate to both sides of the argument not not both sides of the argument but both what you're explaining and what jackson was explaining earlier is yeah. that like it's it's this 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 battle going on in my head where it's like based on what i was raised on i don't feel like a man but then again you know i look at people like gerard way or billy joe armstrong who are as far as we know both cis men and mm -hmm. they wear makeup and wear skirts and whatnot so what defines a man you know yeah i think another thing to keep in mind is the fact that every single person experiences gender in a completely different way yeah. so my personal experiences as a man will differ from anyone else's experiences of being a man anyone else's presentation and internal thoughts the things that we cannot classify our own internal dialogues and the performance that we put on in a way that is totally uniform so we take these labels and we use them to the best of our abilities but you know we're all going to have a completely different experience and mm. i don't know if this is any consolation but i was thinking about it as you were talking and so the way that you were talking about like how you felt with green day my Chemical Romance isn't even the artist that I personally was like listening to and like, oh my God, that's me. 
like the lyrics i was like yeah i relate to a lot of these lyrics there are a lot of the feelings i'm having i like felt envious but it wasn't my i identify with the protagonist of this song uh Ooh. that was panic at the disco Ooh. yeah <laughs> yikes <laughs> for me so like i still loved i was very very into the emo holy trinity so i had panic fall boy and my chem and i still like them all but <laughs> my chem is just the one where i'm like i see this phenomenon so clearly and i see it mm -hmm. happen with people around me and i felt it personally not to the extent that i'm talking about of like oh my god i want to be gerard way I, yeah. I just very much i this is so silly you asked like how i got into this research and i'm gonna tell you an embarrassing story but it's funny so we'll make up for it but the thing is uh i have a very specific taste in men <laughs> and... <laughs> <I'm aware. laughs> oh yeah i'm sure you're aware i have a very specific taste in men and i realized i was telling my friend and i was like yeah no our emo boys 100 like all the way and i'm like and it's funny because i realized like a lot of the guys i'm going out with happen to be trans masked like they're all trans masked emo guys and then she was like yeah that's crazy i wonder why they're all emo trans masked like i wonder because the thing is emo guys and they just all happen to be trans masked so i'm like hmm that's interesting i wonder why so many trans masked people are into emo culture because I'm definitely emo, even if I don't look at I don't know. I don't I'm I'm funky with it. But then I was like, wait, every guy I've ever like also really enjoys my chemical romance. And I have a huge crush on Gerard Way. And they all really want to look like Gerard Way. Isn't that crazy? And then I thought about it more and I formed all of these theories, and now this is my life's work. So do <laughs> what you love, I guess. Yeah. It only becomes a problem when you're preparing your presentations and you're looking at all these photos of Gerard Way and you're like, wow, a few of these look a lot like one person in particular. Ain't that crazy? That's knowing, what exactly, knowing exactly who you're talking about is making this very funny. Yeah, I'll send you the exact photos that I'm thinking about later, too. Just okay. don't don't you worry. All right. But, um... <laughs> <laughs> I uh, I kind of heavily relate to what Rumble and what you said because, like I, even though I am cis, I, I am very curious and open-minded when it comes to that, and I've had a lot of internal debate and dialogue. Like, should sh should I go by he they pronouns? Should I go by they them pronouns? Because when it comes to society's traditional gender roles for men or he him pronouns i don't really fit that even though i may look like i do like my internal dialogue does not fit that the things i enjoy the things i see myself as but really like it's weird because just because maybe it's because i had those role models and stuff growing up that like even like billy corgan he's like he's not an ally whatsoever but he was a pretty feminine looking dude and did stuff like that um like i don't know like when i put on when i paint my nails or when i had long hair or wear pink or you know just silly stuff like i don't feel like less of a man like if anything it reaffirms my masculinity yeah so, exactly so like anything masculinity and femininity are all just a spectrum and beholden i actually mm -hmm. had a funny conversation 
with somebody not that long ago and i was like i get why it's necessary to have labels because it because it kind of it kind of gives you a way to feel seen or to i i'm trying to think of the right word for it but i'm just gonna skip over it it gives but you something honestly, to identify with yeah, and identify it gives you it is a form yeah. of validation for yourself yeah. yeah and but what i honestly think i'm trying to think of a good way to say this i honestly think that gender is so varied based on person to person to where like somebody's he him pronouns and what they view as fitting that are way different than somebody across the room from them so like i yeah, think absolutely. that that the got the traditional binaries are just very outdated almost in the way we view gender i mean obviously not you but like the general population the way we view gender is very outdated and very antiquated in my opinion yeah you you know looking at it through a historian's perspective you can see gender evolve constantly but the ideas that we contain uh don't change that much and they were formed i mean like really what we're thinking of and these whole like separate spheres of like femininity and masculinity that's like that's like 18th century cishet white nonsense type thing and we still mess around with it it's definitely changed and evolved and gotten better but you still have these very binary ideas that are just ingrained in like white culture um i wanted to say american but it, it, it's in other countries too i'm not I'm gonna exclude yeah. the british on that they're just as bad um but yeah things get funky and another problem that you come into with going up in the historical basis of gender it's just like label assigning all over again because you can't impose the idea of a gender binary on something when the gender binary doesn't exist so it gets very complicated very very quickly <laughs> so that's why I'm, I'm keeping my historical comments short there so you don't have to learn about new terminology <laughs> and then get dragged through of why we can't use what we think of today <laughs> to describe people i mean i i definitely get it though and yeah. i understand a lot of the points like i look like a dumb jock but i i'm no never once was i thinking that no you're <laughs> but, good uh, but like yeah i'm i'm fairly well studied to where i've taken four years of college and i'm gonna need at least two more so to finish with the bachelor's so i'm just i'm just going the long road so to get as much That's knowledge right. as possible but um, okay. i skipped around a bit so we're yeah keeping it interesting i haven't yeah. done a look at college so you're both doing better than me yeah if we look at the rate i'm going it's a little it's a little scary <laughs> i might be a doctor by the time i'm 27. do you know what's crazy oh my god is that <laughs> Is that like when I was a little bit younger, when I started college, I was like, man, I hate my theology and philosophy classes. But just because I gritted my teeth and just bore through them, it really fucking changed the way I viewed like everything. Mm -hmm. And I get that's a thing where conservatives are like, these colleges are indoctrinating our children. 
but really the only thing that caused it education for me is kind expands of, your mind yeah it's kind of make me more open-minded to new ideas and i think to be afraid of that is absolutely bullshit well when you bring in new ideas and new ways of thinking and open-mindedness then you lose the control that you could have so maybe the indoctrination is actually happening elsewhere You know what's funny is that my let's just say one side of my family is leans heavily conservative and they heavily pushed me to attend Loyola Chicago because it's a Catholic university in Chicago where they live. And um little <laughs> did they know it's the most liberal college I've been to thus far and it kind of single handedly turned me into from a from a far-right conservative into a freaking socialist communist whatever just because just from opening my world to new experiences yeah so like that when, sounds about right for <laughs> yeah it's crazy though because because some of those catholic colleges like some of them are bad like liberty or whatever but some of them are like <sighs> just catholic in name yeah no yeah. but yeah you know um Rumble, did you have any Rumble thoughts? I, I my mind Man, is toast. You're you're good. Um, <laughs> I don't know. Um, How much editing is going to happen to take out the Taco Bell conversation? So it sounds like we were good and talked about gender. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, we're not taking out that conversation. No, that's, no, that's, keeping... that's important stuff. Yeah, that's we integral in information. <laughs> Just put in the description. Oh, so there is gender there. <laughs> um, not, not really. I've kind of just been listening. Uh, for for once in my life, I have no no thoughts to 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 throw in. Yeah, I said I was just gonna show up and listen the entire time, and then I just kept talking and talking and talking. I, dude, I almost feel unqualified to chime in, which is silly. You know, <laughs> you're fully qualified. Once is, again, is, I think you're so much cooler podcast. than I am. You're you're, you're our guest, <laughs> and you're um, just like I cannot talk. <laughs> it's just I don't know. Um. Thinking about how much more educated you are in this in this field <laughs> makes it makes me feel like like I, I don't have anything uh nearly as well thought out to contribute. So I'm we just like think, we can say capic little thoughts, that's fine too. I'm just sitting here like, yeah, pretty boy, tell me about gender. <laughs> Okay, as so we got we McDonald's, we got Wendy's, we got Burger King. One of them's got to go. Ooh, okay. Who are you asking? Yeah. This is an open question for open debate. Okay. Uh, I don't think I'm going to have a strong debate. That's true. You're asking, yeah. a, you're asking a vegetarian about three burger joints. I mean, they have okay, fries. Okay, all right. I have an answer. They have fries, true. Okay, okay, my answer is Burger King, because they have personally pissed me off. Because they used to offer a Morning Star veggie burger, which I enjoyed, and I could go there. And they had shitty fries, but they at least had onion rings and a Morning Star veggie burger. And I'm like, okay, I can get a milkshake, now it's a meal, right? But then they replaced the Morning Star veggie burger 
with a Beyond Meat or an Impossible Meat, whatever it is, it's disgusting. Because I don't like meat in any form. I don't like meat that's pretending to be meat. I enjoyed my veggie burger that was very clearly its own vegetables. So the fact that they replaced Understandable. it personally hurt my feelings. So I would get rid of Burger King in favor for McDonald's and Wendy's, which both have yummy little fries. For me personally, I'd get rid of Wendy's. And let me tell you why. I'm terrified. Not so long ago. Are you going to say that Wendy's has bad fries? That's what's going to hurt me. If you say Wendy's has bad fries. I've got nothing against Wendy's fries. Okay. Back not very long ago. I'm actually not still sure if the coupon works because I haven't used it in a while. But they had this coupon on there. And I memorized the coupon code. So even if I didn't have it on my phone, I could still tell them the coupon code in the drive-thru and they wouldn't check. And it was $2. And you got this little junior cheeseburger. You got a medium fry, a 10-piece nugget, and a drink. $2. And I lived off that for like a year. So like I owe Burger King so much for that. And then... I thought this was with one. What's up? I thought this was with Wendy's. This is no, that was, Bur- that was Burger okay. King. Okay. And I'd get rid of Wendy's in favor of McDonald's just because I think Wendy's portions are too small and I am a large, I'm a large person. Okay. That's fair. Jackson, what was, what was your answer to your own question? I had a really good thought and I, uh, oh gosh. Oh. Immediately forgot. Yeah. So if, if you if either of you ever find your way in Cape Coral on a on a nice brisk evening, one of the few I do occasionally to come to come out of me being vegan for a bit is discovering this vegan drive-through cafe called Life on Del Prado Ave- Del Prado Boulevard, and um, they have these bean burgers. It's called the Cali Burger. It has like avocado and shit on it, and it's it's literally the like best actual shit. Ever. Yeah. Whoa. No, what? No, no. <laughs> oh, slow down. Whoa. But okay. I just mean like, continue. I apologize. But they have they have like, a full <clears throat> vegan menu and everything on it is just so good. It's a little expensive because you know whatever, but I'll take it. I love but, some like, good vegan eats. And they have like vegan salads, like a vegan Caesar salad and shit. And I I, I go crazy for Caesar salad, oh, and funny. I. I'm not vegan anymore, but I'll go there just because the food is just fu- the fucking best. Is it, is it, with, is it like had. a lemon Caesar salad? That's the only thing that can make it better. If you're like, it's a lemon Caesar salad. I have a very big problem with the idea I think of a it vegan might Caesar be, salad. But I'm not sure. Um, I like my brain is fried just because okay. I've been extremely busy. I but, love uh, a good Caesar dressing that has like a little bit of lemon juice, a little bit, a little bit of zest. I have yeah. a very, very big problem with the idea. Okay. Of vegan Caesar salad. What is your problem? We're we're getting back to, you know, me being a cook. Um, Caesar dressing is made with anchovies. First of all, that's meat. Yeah. Yeah. And it's such an integral so part gotta... of the flavor of Caesar dressing. Like you take out the anchovies, and it's not. I Caesar mean, it dressing. definitely. It definitely tastes different than like if you went to like, like freaking like, like Olive like Garden such, or something. That's such an integral part of it. Like I don't understand. 
Like that's like I, taking I, the cucumber. That's like taking the cucumber out of tzatziki and trying to call it tzatziki. It's not. That's just like bland ranch. I mean, I mean, it's like taking the meat out of a burger and calling it a burger. No, fuck gotcha. you. That's different. <laughs> also, yeah. No, I've had without Parmesan cheese. It's yeah, vegan. You cheese. can have vegan cheese, but it's Parmesan. Find me a vegan cheese that tastes like Parmesan. To me, it still tastes good. It's not the same flavor. You can but find it's you a really Parmesan good. that's vegan. I don't like it. It's I don't like it. But they, but yeah, it's just really good. If you're find your way in Cape Coral, I definitely recommend checking it out. And what I like about vegan food too is that like regular drive-through like makes me feel like bloated and sleepy afterwards. But vegan drive-through, I'm ready to take on my day. I'm I hear a lot of vegan foods make you shit. You know. I think they and might have more fiber true. and shit that might make you healthier, but I don't. I mean, I, I, I think that it's just because there's a lot of like beans used and fibers. I think mm-hmm. that's where the joke comes from, but I don't. Bro, you can't be talking about shitting after eating when you when you ate Taco Bell every day. Yeah, <laughs> let's go back to when you were talking about eating Taco Bell every day, and then when you were like. Mm-hmm. I'm not praising the business, but if I had to pick one fast <laughs> restaurant and you went with Chipotle, you're the person who on this lovely podcast has praised Taco Bell and Chipotle today. So I did not praise Taco Bell. I just said that I'm happy they don't try to masquerade as something there. Okay. All right. Sorry. You anyway, acknowledge anyway, Taco anyway. Bell. You positively acknowledge Taco Bell and praise Chipotle. I'll stand by it. You know what? I, will, I would stand by Chipotle praise. I, I, I love Chipotle. I have an issue with Taco Bell because I Fuck have had... only Taco Bell. I, I have had good times with friends where we ate Taco Bell together, but that was like 5% of the time. Like, like they they have these commercials where it's like everybody's at a party and they're all eating Taco Bell together. It's the time of their lives. But when I'm eating Taco Bell, it's like I'm on my way back from a show at 3 a.m. and I'm hunched over my car, spilling meat all over myself. So I don't think the commercials are accurate. Like, I feel like they're trying I'm gonna to make try to find you the Taco Bell gay marriage commercial. Uh-huh. They did not make that. I don't believe you. Oh, no, it wasn't Taco Bell. It was something else. It was something else silly where I was like, what? I think it was Doritos, maybe. Mm-hmm. Bro, did y'all see? It was popping up on my YouTube all the time. This uh, ad for, I think, Orbit Gum. I found and, it. It was Doritos. Um, it was Doritos? Mm-hmm. It was about this guy nervous about coming up to his father. And then his father caught them, like, sharing a bag of Doritos. And no, no, wait. No, they were like cooking in the kitchen or something and they were holding hands and he was like, oh my god, are you gay? Like, yeah. He's like, I love you, son. And then they ate Doritos. That's what it was. And it's all in Spanish. (laughs) That's really funny. It's important to me that you know it's entirely in Spanish and takes place in Mexico. That's That's funny. This is like the most boomer thing about me, but I love Saturday Night Live. And that oh my god, me, me too. Me I too. love SNL. Dude, are we so many SNL fans? Yeah. Member. And like, 
their Totino's commercials, like especially the ones I'm not sure if you've seen them, but they have one with like Kristen Stewart and um I can't remember the cast member's name, but like I'm like, wow, this is like I mean, I'm not I'm not LGBTQ, but I'm an ally and I just thought this is this is iconic right now, seeing seeing SNL openly supporting women finding love over Totino's pizza rolls. <laughs> well, I can think of when I hear Totino's is that one like sound where it's like Totino's, Totino's, hot pizza rolls. That's it. I don't know if you have any clue what I'm talking about. Not an idea. No, it's just someone yeah. singing and they just go Totino's, Totino's, hot pizza rolls, and that's the whole thing. <laughs> Y'all ever have those Y'all ever have those Totino's Vin pizzas, dude? Yeah, and I still yeah. sing the same song. Dude, and don't change they it. Made, they started making them bitches square. What's that about? There's so much I like them better square. They're better. You can you can make little sandwiches. They're they're nice. Pizza is not square unless it is a Chicago um, deep dish. First of all, Chicago deep dish isn't square. What are you calling pizza? First of all, what are you calling pizza here? Because Totino's, Totino's party pizzas are not like normal pizza. They are in a completely different league. Are you mad it that the pizza crust rolls crust are, are you pizza. are you mad that the pizza rolls are a little bit rectangular? Have you thought no. about that? Exactly. So exactly. So why are you mad at a Tosino's party pizza? Because they fit, be- pizza. they fit better in your freezer that way. <laughs> so mad at you. I'm so Do you angry. Know? You don't understand you, the, the stack of those you, I have in my freezer right now. If you if you had just like said what you had said, but without all the fucking attitude. I wouldn't be so angry at you, but you had to be like, take shit in your first freezer of all, First of all, stack them in your freezer. You can cut them into nice little squares. You can have 12 or, evenly or sized squares. Or triangles out of them. Okay, now that's evil. That's them. evil and wrong. That's evil and wrong. Why are you cutting a square into triangles? Cut it into no, little squares. I'm cutting round pizzas into triangles. Yeah, and that's fine. That's fine. You can do that. But with the Totino's party pizza? <laughs> this is the part where I shut up and be an ally and listen instead of talk. <laughs> Jackson is just like, the girls are fighting. <laughs> but yeah, it's... it's, um, And I would... um. So, I'm a photographer sometimes. Oh, gosh. <laughs> And this is a this is a very loosely related story, but um, I'm so excited for how the photography story connects back to Totino's party pizzas being square now. Dude, I have to pee so bad right now, and we're sitting here arguing about Totino's party pizzas. Just take your phone into the bathroom with you. You're fine. Go piss. Yeah, well, you frying chicken in there. <laughs> but um, yeah, so. I really appreciate it. it is cool how expressive you are because um I've had guests on here before who are like Yeah, I started writing music when I was like fourteen years old and then it just kinda went from there. Um, do you want me to do that? Because I think it would be funny. 
Dude, that's a pretty good Jordan Lelly impression. <laughs> oh god, I didn't want to say it, but and then um and then I met I, I shot this band called Spite and they're fucking sick last night. And this guy looked like he just he he snorted rabies or something like like the Blue Mountain State episode where like they inject rabies before a game, and like he was just fucking insane up there. And then I met him after the show, and he was just like a kind, quiet dude. And I was like, dude, like your expressions on stage and shit are so cool. Which later, because I gave my car and shit, he actually posted my photos, and he has like forty thousand followers, and that was like the biggest moment of my life. But Either way, I think I think that's what I was trying to get to. Is I wanted to like connect pizza to my humble brag, and I succeeded. Yeah, so we're good. Good. <laughs> I think I like how it, it started off with pizza, turned into a compliment to me vaguely, and then went into a story of a humble brag. I you can't. I appreciate how you're expressive, which might be a compliment, and then. That was I, I enjoyed that actually, <laughs> but I will actually not be having any expressions for the rest of the podcast. And I will tell you about when I started writing music. Um, so I started Jesus. writing music um, after I had a romantic turmoil, and then I met this person, and they were interesting and inspired me to write songs. So I started doing that. <laughs> I can't. I tried my best. But yeah. Anyway, I actually did tell a real story of me me writing music. Yeah, go for it. Yeah, no, I, I, I kind of told the story. I, I, I met a person and now I write songs about my own personal feelings and how my life is going. And also a lot of songs about this one person. Um, but they're okay, at least. I don't know, Rumble. You you've heard my music vaguely. It's okay. Rumble oh, I got approved. two. I got two thumbs up and a Rumble approved. Aw, dude, have you listened to Arby's Girl? My standards are low. <laughs> I enjoy Arby's Girl. Yeah, it's a fun song to shake your ass to, which is kind of <laughs> what I was going for. But man, objectively, it's not good. I like it. No, it's good. Well, like I mean, lyrically, it's not that good. I'm not gonna lie; that chord progression I wrote is one of the better things I've ever written. It's a cool chord progression, and I can get into the music theory of it. But I feel like that would really isolate our audience if I gave you the whole spiel on why it works the way it does. So I'm not gonna do that. That's all right. But But, um, yeah, not only am I expressive, I'm also John Mulaney's actual son. Um, <laughs> I can hear it now. Yeah, <laughs> do it. Do, do what the bit do you horse. want? What bit do you want me to do? Uh, horse loose in a hospital. There's a horse loose in a hospital. I didn't. It got on the elevator. I didn't know it knew how to do that. I'm like, I... <laughs> but yeah, that's just kind right. of how my brain works. Like, I got really bad ADHD brain. Like, um, that's why I'm not I'm not really good at talking stages, like with girls and stuff, where like <laughs> she'll be like, Yeah, I just got my hair done and I'll be like I'll go from that to like Yeah, um where where were your parents on nine eleven? <laughs> I was just about to say, do you ask where she was on nine <laughs> eleven? 
Dude, I listen to the front bottoms pretty religiously. You don't have to talk to me about being bad at talking to women. I thought you were going to say you don't have to talk to me about where I was on my <laughs> I listen to the front bottoms pretty regularly, so you don't have to talk to me about where I was on my <laughs> I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ask Jordan next time I see him. <laughs> I, bet, I bet he actually has a long ass story about every single detail of that day. Just because well, it was okay. it is. It was it was 2001. He was born in 1994. How old would that make him? What? Oh, uh, really? Seven? Yeah, but I still bet he would have some kind of story though. Oh yeah, yeah. for sure. Rumble, you were 100 yeah. percent alive. Where were you on 911? <laughs> Uh, I, I hate to break it to you. I was, um, I was in my father's testicles <laughs> during that. Murdering Princess Diana. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Would you like to hear my best Princess Diana joke? I'm terrified, but sure. I didn't come up with it, unfortunately. I don't know who did. Um, but how do we know? Queen. That... Yeah, probably. How do we know that uh, Princess Diana had dandruff? Oh. They found her head and shoulders in the glove compartment. I don't... Uh, I, I have a joke that is worse, but just because it's really, really unfunny. Go for it. That's my I favorite make it up. joke. Yeah, I did not make it up. This, this was someone else. Okay. Um, what do vegans say instead of go piss girl? Tell me. Go chickpea. <laughs> do you like yeah, it? I hate it. I hate it actually. I hate it. But <laughs> but that remind you, you remind me of this like meme I keep seeing on Facebook because you know I'm a like gamer. just my existence. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Like there's this meme where it's like, oh dude, you uh you relate MCR to everything. I I bet you can't name one random thing to to relate MCR to. Like oh wait no I can't I'm fucking it up. Like oh gotcha. Like it's it's like they're like name one random thing and they say nine eleven. They're like oh boy do I have a story <laughs> for you. That's good. Uh, oh dude, I read me. Rumble a section of my like long paper about my chemical romance and the only section i read was the bit with 11 and that was it it was so left field <laughs> yeah. like, like i know like the whole pipeline of 911 uh and mcr and 50 it's barely a pipeline it's, it's like, like it's like an actual reason why the band came in existence yeah, yeah. oh dude yeah. if we're talking about terrible terrible jokes me and my buddy Jackson uh, from SOS, uh, we were um, we were working on this bit, and it's only funny. Like, okay, it's funny the first couple jokes, and then it gets really unfunny, and then like once you get past like number fifteen, you start laughing because you're so tired of it. It works in Is a really like weird way. That was the bit of us being related. Yeah. Yeah. The, the, the bit was like, hey, 
do you want to hear my impression of Obama? And then you'd just be like, oh, let me be clear. Do you want to hear my impression of Obama at a pride parade? Uh, let me be clear. And you just keep finding rhymes for like the word clear in the mo and the situations get more and more ridiculous because you have to really grasp to make the word work. You already got me with the first one, unfortunately. Before the joke even started. We were getting to to the point where it was like you want to hear my impression of Obama when his favorite team scores a touchdown? Uh, I'm going to cheer. And it was just like, <laughs> we went on. I, 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 I did the bit for my girlfriend and she got so tired of it. And then I just kept going and she started keeping count. I did, I shit you not, I did at least 40 of them. <laughs> oh, how delightful. And, and every now and then when I come up with a new one, I'll send her a voice message on Instagram. Where I'm like, this is my impression of Obama when he sees a skinwalker. Oh, I am in fear. And every <laughs> once in a while, I'll send you something like, this. I'm like, God damn it. But how do you make with that John rhyme with Updog? What's Updog? I don't know, I'm just chilling. It's almost, it's almost less fun when you give them the satisfaction. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I'm trying to think of a version of that I could do with John Mulaney, but I can't think of anything. Yeah. Because I can just do a John Mulaney impression in any scenario. I have, yeah. I have this opportunity. Like that one time I texted you and I was like, I need some motivation from John Mulaney. And you sent me a voice message. You're like, stop this rumble or however you do it. I don't remember what I said. Don't, I don't either. Don't it, was something, it was something so incredibly inspiring. Man, I want to get, get your ass up. Now. Go do a thing. Yeah. yeah. Well, it's it's been two hours. <laughs> oh my god, has it really? <laughs> Unfortunately, yes. Um, Holy shit. We have one viewer that stuck with us through all of it. I don't know who the fuck wow. they are. That's incredible. What's their username? Shout them I can't, out right I now. I can't see it. Get better eyes, you moron. No, like, does it show me anywhere? Oh, my bad. It's what not like the viewers Instagram just live. rumble. <laughs> huh. Well, whoever you are. Whoever you are. You're so you need to get a hobby, dude. Please. <laughs> Get some bitches. You should like, not be here right now. The person who is here, who's your favorite? Because that's the only reason why you're watching. Yeah. It's because it's the right, gun so, show. So we do normally have a closing question from our guests, but it really only relates to music. So how do we close this podcast? What's the closing music question? Uh, like, so... For example, send in the lead. I don't know, just pulled that out of my ears. Jackson would ask, <laughs> yeah, Jackson would ask, uh, what's your best sales pitch to check out send in the lead? So that, I'm not sure how much that applies to you. I mean. So, so what's your best sales pitch for, for trans rights? <laughs> what's, your, what's your best sales pitch for being transgender? 
You get to listen to a lot of My Chemical Romance. Holy shit, <laughs> I'm sold. Alright, I got a, I got a question for you. Since this is a local music podcast, and there is an objectively right answer to this question, mm-hmm. and if you don't get it, we're not friends anymore. Okay. But who's your favorite local band? <laughs> who's your favorite local band, Charlie? Here's the thing. You say that there's an objectively right answer, but you also say how much you hate send and delete. So I feel like if I say send and delete, I will be wrong. So I'm actually going to say amateur taxidermy. The answer was send and delete, and we're not friends anymore. <laughs> but we're siblings for life. I guess so. Yeah. Our dads, John Mullaney and Dave Grohl. <laughs> yeah. Who gets uh, each other in the divorce? I feel like it makes the most logical sense for me to go with Dave Grohl and for you to go with John Mulaney. Why ever would you say that? <laughs> oh, I don't know. Jackson, <laughs> it, it, who's your favorite local band? But anyways, um, my favorite local band, um, maybe till now we're Chasing Airplanes. Um, Dude, Chasing Airplanes is awesome. Yeah, they're fucking sick. Um, Sincerely Yours is okay. I kind of preferred it when they were a two-piece band, uh, to be honest. Yeah, their basis is an asshole. Yeah, but, but, but the new <laughs> one's a bit better. <laughs> That's good. That's good. <laughs> I, oh sometimes my, my brain does work quickly. 